Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Caleri. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. Hi. So in this week's podcast, I thought I'd talk about older kids. So we're talking about older teens, like 17 and up, um, and maybe all the way into the mid-20s. If you're the parent of a younger child, listen anyway, because you're going to have one of those. Um, I've been seeing an increase in my practice um, of, of older kids and teens that are really, really struggling, like falling apart, having a tremendous amount of difficulty with procrastination, um, mood regulation, they're super anxious, they're depressed, they, they're getting stuck in like a Netflix hole and they can't get out and they should be studying. And, and the more the parents are like, what are you doing? You know, why are you on Netflix? You've got stuff to do. You've got a project, you've got to study, you have exams coming up. The more, um, their parents, uh, try to push them, the more frozen, uh, they become. And, and I work with these kids. I talk to them every day. So they'll say things like, I can hear my mom coming up the stairs and I'm already like, I'm already mad. She hasn't even said anything. Um, the, these older kids um, you know, can cause so much anxiety with their parents. First of all, they can cause their parents to really argue a lot uh, with each other. Because one is often like, this is ridiculous. This kid needs to, you know, we should kick him out or we need to do this or we need to take this and that away. And uh, and the other parent is, no, 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 we can't do that. They're so fragile. They're having so many difficulties. It's always this, how much do you enable? How much you, you know, and how much do you um, push? You know, where is that line? And it's almost like you're standing in a canoe and you're always like adjusting it because you'll never know, first of all, what is the appropriate amount at any time to be pushing and protecting. It's just uh, almost a gut feeling and you just have to be um, really tuned into your own kind of emotional state and make sure you're doing this um, for your child and not for you. Uh, and that, that's a really important part. So we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just seeing a lot of kids, you know, either just not making it in university, you know, making it halfway through the first semester and then not being able to finish or making it maybe to second year and then they're, they're dropping out um, or, or dropping out in grade 12. That happens a lot. So I've worked with a lot of kids and I have a whole separate way that I work with them. Um, really teaching them how to rewire their own brain. We kind of sneak behind the anxiety a little bit and, and build motivation around smaller things that aren't as threatening to the brain. Um, that's a whole other thing. And, and that will only work if, if a child um, or teen or young adult is ready for that. They have to be sick of their anxiety. They have to be, you know, at a stage where they can see how it's robbing them of their future and their fun and their enjoyment and um, their passion. Uh, so it really has to be something that they're motivated to do. But let's back up now and talk about the parents. So, and I've mentioned this before in a lot of my uh, podcasts that what happens when you have a child that's frozen, and and it's interesting because I don't want to scare the people that have little kids, but honestly, I I think in many ways parenting an older child is significantly harder than parenting a younger child because you have no control. They can just say, "Fine, I'm going out." They can get in the car and leave or they're at university and you have no um, way of knowing what they're doing and what they're up to. And, and it, it really is, um, it's terrifying. And what one of the things that I think has happened is that, especially if our kids are 
you know, big feelers and they get very anxious or they tend to get depressed. Um, you know, we've helped them a lot. We've rushed in and helped them at 11 o'clock at night when an assignment was due. We've, you know, had tutors coming four times a week to, to help them. Uh, we've sort of propped them up and, and helped them, which on the one hand may be very necessary, especially if your child has, you know, learning issues or has anxiety to the point where it's affecting their performance. But again, it's always that very fine line. If you help too much, then they begin to rely on it. Or if you care more than they care, they're like, well, my mom's going to tell me when things are due. She seems to be more upset about it, so I'm not going to worry about it. Um, or it actually affects their sense of self, their self-esteem, that they feel like things are given to them, that they haven't really earned uh, those grades, and they didn't really do that paper all by themselves, which actually affects their, their sense of self-worth uh, in a lot of ways. So as a parent of a child like this, um, it's very difficult to describe what you're going through, but it, I guess the best way to explain it is this pit in your stomach, this terrifying uh, pit, and you, you literally can't think of anything else. You can't function at work. You can't enjoy anything. You can't sleep. Um, and then you keep coming back to your child saying, look, you've got to do this, and you've got to study, and you know what are you doing, and come on, and hurry up. And the more you do that, the more they freeze, the more they, honestly, if nagging worked, I would tell you to do it. But especially with kids like this, it does not work. In fact, it can sometimes completely backfire and cause them to stall out completely. So I've noticed with kids like this that, and they're usually massive procrastinators. So for the parents listening who have little kids, take note because there's things you can be doing when they're younger to prevent your kids from getting like this. Um, but they're often procrastinators. Now, people don't realize that procrastination is actually, um, it's a form of anxiety. It's, I'm comfortable now, I don't want to move to a state where I'm not comfortable, so I'm going to avoid it, I'm going to push it away, and I'm going to do it later. So it's a very subtle form of anxiety, uh, but it's anxiety. And so what ends up happening, usually with assignments, is it kind of goes like this when you have an older child. It's like, okay, so I've got this assignment to do, I hate doing assignments, and often these kids are almost phobic about writing assignments. They'll procrastinate on studying as well, but assignments that are very open-ended and I don't know where to start are agonizing for them. They'll they'll literally often be on the bathroom floor crying. And I can't, I can't, I'm gonna be homeless. It's never gonna get to I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't start. And you know, you're as a parent, you're saying, just write anything. Just put anything on the page. Just just start. Just get started. And then I don't work that way. That's not how I do things. Well, why don't you write out what you're gonna do? Let's let's chunk it. I, my brain doesn't work that way. It comes out in one state and it ends up being this unbelievable event that can literally take down the whole household. Um, and often what happens is they get through all that, they have their whole state, they get in a state about it, they get uh kind of hysterical, and then they're they're brain is blasted with adrenaline because you're usually in a fight with them around it. They then can get enough stimulation to the frontal lobe that they can get started. Once they're started, it's not so bad. Usually they can actually do it in, in, uh, in a few hours. And often these children are very, very bright. This is very common with gifted kids. Uh, and then it gets done. And the essay gets handed in and they usually get a good mark on it, which is good and bad. Mostly bad though, because then their brain learned, oh, that worked. I'll do that next time. So the cycle is this, um, I don't want to do that assignment, it's awful, I don't want to do it, I'll do it later. And they kind of believe that there's this moment that the, the sun is going to come out between the clouds and it's going to be, la, this is the moment I'm going to do my assignment. This, but that never comes. There's always a million things that you would rather do first before doing that assignment. 
So it's usually when they start to panic, when the anxiety of doing the assignment is less than the anxiety of, um, wait, I gotta get this right. The anxiety of doing the assignment is less than the anxiety of not doing the assignment. That's usually what happens where it's like, okay, I've pushed this far enough. I've pushed this for so long that this isn't funny. I have to get this done. Then there's usually enough adrenaline that boosts the frontal lobe and they can actually sit down and get it done. But that's usually after a lot of angst, a lot of upset, a lot of screaming, a lot of I'm going to be homeless, a lot of how stupid the assignment is. This is the stupidest assignment. It's so dumb and blah, blah. If they actually put the same amount of effort into doing the assignment as they do complaining about how dumb the assignment is, the assignment would be done. But we can see this, but they can't see this. Now, one of the things you have to understand is when they're in that state, they are in a state of fight or flight. So the frontal lobe, which can actually organize and think about the assignment and pull all the information together and look at the research they've done, if they've done any at that point, that all happens in the frontal lobe. That's the higher order thinking part of the brain. That is the first thing that shuts off when the body senses danger and it cannot tell the difference between an assignment that's due tomorrow morning and a saber-toothed tiger that's going to eat you. It's the same thing. Uh, to the brain, that assignment is dangerous, so I'm not going there. The same way you wouldn't say to somebody, you know what, jump off that bridge. It's fabulous. For some reason today, everyone's been bouncing at the bottom. It's only 300 feet. I mean, but still, people are bouncing. It's great. You're not going to jump off that bridge, and it doesn't matter what somebody says to you. You're not jumping off that bridge. So the more you try to push your child when they're in that state, the more they're going to push back. No, you don't get it. Get out. Leave me alone. I got this. Well, honey, you don't have this or you would have done it yesterday. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. You end up in this crazy cycle. So the frontal lobe actually shuts off, which is the part of the brain you actually need to write the essay. Um, so there's a whole bunch of, of chaos that actually happens. Then the cycle is they hand in the paper. They do okay on it. And they're like, you know what? I'm not going to do this next time. Next time I'm gonna get the paper done, I'm gonna drive my parents crazy, I'm gonna be on top of my work, I'm gonna do this. And they actually fully believe they're gonna do it until it's time for the next assignment and they're like, eh, I'll do it later. They're also really bad at um, assessing how long things are gonna take. The actual writing usually doesn't take that long but they don't factor in all of the upset that happens first. So they think something's gonna take them two hours but it really ends up taking more like four or six and that's where they get even more panicked. Um, and they're so not very good at assessing how long um, it's going to take for them to actually do an assignment. Now, the, the, the part for these kids that's really, they're usually super bright and they can, they can get away with it. So when the pressure of the assignment is gone and they get the mark back, the brain goes, ah, pretty good. I'm going to do that next time. So they end up in this um, procrastination loop, this, this anxiety, shame, eh, I'm fine, I'll do it better the next time kind of cycle, which is literally putting the parents more often through the ringer. Um, you know, kids who are on, you know, kids who are pretty bright and can actually pull this off can get away with this in grade 12. They can often get away with it in first year university. Around second year university though, it starts to not work anymore. When you have five papers due, you can't be leaving them all till the night before. So it, it really does end up being something that causes big problems in the background. So also speaking to the parents who don't have teenagers yet, but have a little kid who's already doing this with their homework, they're already having the homework fits. It's really important for you to build grit in your little kids, 
right? So those of us who have older kids, we can't go backwards. But for those of you who are listening and you have younger kids, um, and sometimes the homework fairy comes and does the homework because you just can't stand it, um, or or you really help them too much with their homework uh, when they're young, the time to let them fall and the time to let them fail is when they're younger, when the consequences are not as um, high. So if you have kids, you know, certainly under grade 10, I would even say, you have to love them enough to say, I love you, but I told you by eight o'clock on Sunday night, I'm done. I'm out. I'm not helping you anymore. So if you end up having to work on that assignment, I'm not helping you. I'm not going to help you. I love you enough to not help you. I need to help you see what happens when you don't do work ahead of time, when you're not on top of things. Um, the most difficult thing for parents, um, is that you, you're trying to teach your children these lessons. They won't always get the lessons. A lot of children have to learn experientially. They have to figure out on their own what happens. That's why letting them fail is actually so critical or letting them at least feel, um, that sense of adversity, I think is really important. Um, because if you rush in and you fix it, they're never going to learn. All the brain's going to remember is "Ah, that worked. Good. I'll do that next time. Uh, they have to learn that grit. So, you know, sitting down and saying, I'm sorry, you have must do's before can do's. Homework has to get done before you get your screens. And if it doesn't get done, then you don't get your screens. And you can mirror and say, I know I get that. And it's so frustrating and homework seems so pointless. I get it. But you have things that you have to do. And that homework has to get done before you're allowed to have your screens or play outside or whatever it is. And then stick to that. And send those messages of confidence. I know you can do this. I know you've got this. This is really good for your brain to learn how to do stuff. Because no matter what you choose to do in life, there's always going to be things you have to do that are boring and tedious and not fun. Always. It doesn't matter who you are. You have to do things that are tedious. It's incredibly important for your brain to learn how to do that. And it's our job to help our kids get there. So let's say you've got an older kid and they haven't figured out that yet. And they are leaving things to the last minute. Um, So here's what ends up happening. You end up getting so emotionally upset that your child is doing this and you've helped them so much and you've given them everything and you've tutored them and you've you know made sure they've got all the right equipment and all everything's in place and they're still just sitting there playing a video game or coming down and eating a snack or sitting down when they should be getting to work and it it actually builds up in us and it builds up in us until we get so mad um and just like our little ones when we when they have the homework fit and you start kind of getting in a whole argument and yelling they get that blast of adrenaline that they can sit down and do the work after it's sort of like they're medicating themselves on us um that can definitely happen with our older kids it's uglier it's scarier um we panic more because we think what's going to happen to them and how are they going to have a job are they going to are they going to make it to university are they going to graduate um which is petrifying it is I can't even explain unless you're a parent and you, and if you're listening to this, you will get it. You are, you are living with this pit in your stomach with this constant sense of terror that, that your child is not ready for life. They, they won't be able to do this and this will never end. Um, you know, and, and, and sometimes you just, they just have to drop out of university and figure it out and come back and take another pass at it a year later. Um, helping them too much just pushes the problem along. That's what I really want parents to understand. You know, you just think, good, I got them through grade 12. Okay, good. Oh, good. I got them through first year university, but you're never going to stop doing that. They have to take this on. So it's incredibly important that we maintain that neutrality, that even though we are freaking out and thinking, oh my God, this is terrible. They're not going to make it. They're not going to graduate. We have to think, 
I love you. This is your life. I've done everything I can for you. We are now at a point where you have to take it from here. And I love you enough. I've tried to teach you the lesson on my own, but it's now it's time for life to teach you. And you can support them and you can love them and don't do a whole lot of, I told you so. Um, some kids really do... Um, I'm just checking the time because sometimes I go on too long. No, we're still good. Um, some kids really do have to learn experientially, which is very painful for us as parents um, to sit back and watch our kids do this. So I would say staying absolutely neutral. Stop the nagging. Just drop the whole thing. Just say, I love you. I trust you. I'm out. And it's you're just sit in your room and, and bite your nails. Go go to Starbucks. Go see a friend. Get out of the house. Do something else. So you're not watching them not working. Let them figure it out. Um, I have done this over and over again with families, and that's actually the thing. Once the child goes, oh, she's not pushing me. She's not reminding me, or he's not telling me what to do, or he's not all over me with this. They really are out. Uh oh, I got to do something. I got to get to work, and that's actually the thing that helps them get going. Now, if your child has a learning disability or um, you know, attention issues or, or such severe anxiety that they're not functioning particularly well, um, you, you do have to accommodate. You do have to help them out a little bit and make sure that this is doable. But whatever it is that they are capable of, you need to believe in them that they can do it. What is so critical about this is if they look in your eyes and see what you're thinking, which is they're not going to make it, they're a failure, uh, we're in big trouble, they're not going to graduate, they're not going to end up getting a job, um, they're going to see that in your eyes. So if you cannot see the intelligent uh, person in there who's just struggling, they're just trying to figure it all out, they're just trying to find ways to push themselves uh, through this uncomfortable stage, they're not going to believe that about themselves. So as terrifying as this is, um, it really is important to trust your kids enough to give them those messages of confidence to let them figure out how to do this on their own. You can help them if they ask for help. You cannot do it for them. And if they are nasty and they're screaming, you say, I love you, but I'm out. If they're coming to you at two in the morning and you got to work the next day, that's ridiculous. You say, if you want me to help you with this paper, you need to tell me by this time, this date, and I will help you. After that, I'm not helping you. And then you have to say it and you have to mean it, which is difficult. But often this is the greatest thing we can give our children. Um, if they think that those limits are too soft and they're too movable, they're not going to figure out how to do it. Um, if you have a child that's really, really struggling with this, I haven't done this yet, but I'm going to create um, a very small kind of mini course online for teens and older kids, it really doesn't work if kids are under 17. Even 17 is pretty young. You really have to have that frontal lobe development. Um, and they really have to feel like they want to beat this, that they're tired of the procrastination and the anxiety dominating the choices that they make and um, the direction that their life is going in. But I will be doing a mini course first, but we do have, there's a number of us at Connected Parenting that can um, individually help kids with this. Um, I call it the no to go program program. And that's where they're, they're literally rewiring their brain in a, in a kind of sneaky, fascinating um, way, because ultimately what ends up happening is kids have to focus, uh, have to rely ultimately on willpower, but willpower is finite. You only have a certain amount of willpower. And if the neural pathways aren't there, if the hardware is not there, they're going to have a really difficult time. So key uh, takeaways from today is you have to be neutral. You have to identify the procrastination cycle. 
you have to stay out of it. You really do. You have, you can mirror and you can talk about how hard it is. And then you just give them messages of confidence. I trust you. You will get through this. And if it doesn't work this time, you'll learn from it and you'll do it differently next time. Hide that angst. Don't nag. It doesn't help. It doesn't work. Um, one exercise, which I've mentioned before, which may actually really help is just, you know, when you're walking away and you've got that pit in your stomach and you're terrified for your child and their future just sort of sit down center yourself and just imagine them having a conversation with you five years from now ten years from now and they're like mom I know I did that to you I know I drove you crazy but it was me just trying to figure out how to regulate and how to manage and to push boundaries and to test what was happening and I know it was pretty nasty to you but look at me now I'm okay just find anything you can to help you stay centered and to try to figure this out um, what's hard for us, and this happens a lot in our parenting, is that we want them to behave a certain way. We want them to do this. We want them to make this choice. We want them to behave this way so we can feel better. And our child can tell. They can tell. It's, will you just do this essay so I can stop worrying about it? And when it's coming from that place, it's not going to have the same impact on them. It's really not. It must come from them. So we're back to the same theme of, of mirroring and neutrality. This is so hard. It is not easy. It is so tough, especially if your kids are older. It's so terrifying. I'll do another podcast when around when when and if kids come to a full stop where they're actually not going to school, where they have dropped out. I've gotten I've, I've worked with a number of kids one-on-one, actually many, many kids where they have actually come to a complete full stop and we've gotten them back into school and we've gotten them back into university and they've learned to do that by rewiring their brain. Uh, but that'll be a future podcast. So for now, stay neutral, trust them, um, see see the best in them so they can see the best in themselves. Hi, I'm Barrett Kaleri from Connected Parenting. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. And don't forget to check us out on the web at connectedparenting.com and like us and follow us on Facebook.